Welcome to the Denim Dungeon, a 49ers podcast. I am your host, Brian Rennick, a writer and editor at 49ers WebZone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow WebZone writer, my co-host, but most importantly, my hetero life mate, Tim Sprinkles, and we hopped on with our buddies Andrew Pasquini and Jason Aponte of the Sprint Ride Option podcast this past Monday to talk some 49ers football. So let's get into it. Running live, and this is how we do it. Beautiful. Running from the top. Uh, this is a new episode of Z Sprint. Right into the denim dungeon. I am Andrew Pasquini, Jason Aponte, as always, joining me to my right. And as I said before, the microphone was turned on. Uh, Brian and Tim of the denim dungeon have joined us today, and we have a few conversations we would like to have today. Uh, I'll start with the guests, though. Brian, how you doing? I'll start with the person directly below me. How are you doing today, Brian? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, the wife and I actually just got back from a weekend in San Francisco, which was dope. Had a lot of fun. And uh, we got home, I'm going to say, mm, about an hour ago, maybe. And so okay. uh, I am fresh off uh, the road and uh, ready to talk Niner football. Wow. I mean, I, I'm honored that the first thing you chose to do off the road is just to come talk to us and hang out with us. So I'm pretty excited about that. Tim, how was your lovely weekend? Uh, weekend wasn't too bad. Um, you know, when you live on a ranch, you got a lot of yard work to do. And I just feel like that's that's all I do is take care of animals, take care of kids and what a life it's become. Um, no, I, I spent I spent this afternoon. Um, my girls for the first time in a long time wanted to uh, wanted to do basketball. I have a I have a 10 year old and a seven year old girl. Both uh, haven't haven't really shown much interest in athletics up until this point i've been a dad that likes art and horseback rides and tea parties and all that fun stuff but they uh they then said hey uh, let's let's give a basketball a shot and i was like i'm in let's let's do this so i'm, I'm letting some other some other guy coach my kids while i stand on the sidelines not screaming at all not doing any of that finger pointing and uh you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this. I, I coached varsity basketball both on the boys' side and the girls' side for for years. Um, so I'm biting my tongue every chance I get because I don't see triple threats. I don't see anyone boxing out. I don't see anybody breaking down like they're supposed It's just I'm frustrated at 10- and 7-year-old basketball, but quiet is uh, – it's okay. Hey, that, well, that's why we have podcasts is we could we could rant about these things and nobody, you know, we'll, 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 the people that watch us will hear. But, they, you know, they, nobody else needs to know. It's just between us and the Internet. So whatever. And it works. Uh, Jason, how you doing over there? I'm doing great. Um, actual baseball is on our doorstep. Yes. The problem is, is Thursday is the initial opening day for the Yankees. But there's like a. This little thing called like a hundred percent chance of rain, which means the Yankees are probably not going to be playing on Thursday. Opening day is going to be postponed till Friday. You Giants guys have no idea what that's like because it doesn't rain, and you guys would just enjoy your time and just enjoy baseball and such. But while everybody's here, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to both of these beautiful gentlemen that are under one 
and uh, here um, to Denim Dungeon Podcast on Spotify, anywhere that you guys get your your audio podcast, any sort of way in that way. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I am watching spring training baseball, hoping that Thursday is the day. Um, because either way, if it's Thursday or Friday, I'm going to be there for, for the game. It's, it's that close. But I would love for it to be Thursday uh, just because that was the day it was supposed to be. And that was the day I had circled for, you know, whenever it was at that that the Major League Baseball, like, ended their stupid strike. So, Who who, who do the Yankees open against? Boston. Ah, Boston, the Reds. The Giants have a pretty big rivalry opening up this week, and obviously the Miami Marlins is who I'm talking about. Huge, huge, huge oh. baseball rivalry. Yeah, the Giants and Marlins go way back. So uh, Same deal. Same deal. Quick, quick Giants predictions from the two Giants fans below before we dive into the football stuff. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to predict less than 107 wins. I'm not Cole Kuyper. I'm not going to predict 108, but, uh, but yeah, I still think it's going to be a good season. And I think, uh, here's my big prediction. Uh, the giants will be top three in ERA in major league baseball. Okay. That's That's, fair. That's a very strong, obviously their starting pitching is probably the strongest thing that the giants have going for them. I don't know if the Giants can get more than 95 wins this year just based on the fact that I don't know where the run production is going to come from. So, uh, I mean, Dodgers obviously have an all-star squad. I hate them, but you got to respect the fact that they're loaded. Uh, I don't see the Giants uh, necessarily winning the West, so playoffs are a tough go for the Giants this year, in my opinion. 162-0, and you heard it here first on the Sprint Red Option podcast, so there we go. And for the Yankees? They'll just make the stupid playoffs and lose in the first round. So, yeah, hey, I saw, I saw Carlos Ban- Beltran broke some news today on the broadcast about a no, he did it. No, he did it. Didn't really, no, so there you go. he did it. He All right, that and and the Yankees literally sent it up like take that back immediately. Don't say that. All right, well, we'll dive into to, to our Niner. We got a few different Niner topics. The first, we're going to start with. Uh, Former 49er, Amanda, the, the theme of today might be former 49ers. We'll, we'll find out. Uh, f- former 49er receiver, Emmanuel Sanders, the Niners' big uh, trade deadline acquisition in 2019, the year they go to the Super Bowl. He had some thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo on uh, Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Emmanuel Sanders, quote, I love Jimmy G. This is a guy that I remember going into the games. I used to play with so much confidence because I knew that this guy is a winner. You go back and look at his win percentage. His win percentage is ridiculous. He's a natural-born winner. The moment he got to San Francisco, uh, he started winning. He continued to say, uh, do I think Jimmy B- Jimmy G will be with the Niners? I think Kyle Shanahan is sitting in a good place. He has a winning quarterback, but he also has a young guy. But he has to make a decision. That's a that's a phenomenal quote, by the way. He he has two quarterbacks. He has to pick one, which I I mean, that, I guess there it is. But yeah, so that that's he. It's nothing new that we've heard, right? Like a lot of these former players, including Adrian Colbert, uh, he he's come out and said he's a good locker room guy. So this is nothing new. So uh, Jason, I'll start with you. We'll rotate around the horn. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Emmanuel Sanders' quotes? On the 49ers, maybe future quarterback, maybe future not quarterback. Just real quick, and then we'll pass it to someone else who has something more, I guess, uh, insightful to say. Notice how he didn't say anything about his play on the field and how he plays. I'm tired of everybody talking about your damn leadership. Leadership don't win games, pimping. I'll pass it to Tim on that. (laughs) Jeez, Jay, jeez. Okay, hold on. 
you can't you can't talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and and really only talk about his play on the field because it hasn't been anything uh, really worth talking about. Kyle Shanahan has kind of carried him in terms of statistics. So anything that anybody wants to claim in terms of EPA and, and things like that, whatever. But bottom line, and and I really like I can see your face, Jason, and it's it it's comical. It's one of disgust. I'm sorry, Tim. It's one of disgust I, because I want to hear about he does this very well on the field. He does this very no one literally ever says he makes the throws that nobody else ever makes. He like I'm sorry, Tim. Like it's just it's frustrating I get, I get to that. hear the same thing over and over. I get that. But I will say this. All right. I will speak for the fact that I've been inside of a locker room at at the collegiate level. And I do know that leadership does play a part. There are two pieces to any sort of quarterback or leader on a football team. And you can have all the talent in the world, a la Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell. You can throw the ball a mile, right? A, a cannon of an arm. But if you don't have anyone that's willing to follow you, if you, if you have zero command in the locker room and the guys around you don't believe in you it doesn't matter how talented you are this is not me getting on a soapbox defending jimmy garoppolo but what's happening are players across the board are put in front of a microphone and on camera and they have to say something good about jimmy g and the only thing you really can say is he's got good leadership qualities guys rally around him that's pretty much it i mean are they just going to get up there and be like no the guy's a bum he sucks move on that that doesn't really speak well if you want a gig later on in life in front of the camera. You got to be politically correct. So that's what we're seeing. We're just seeing guys saying, what can they say good about Jimmy? He's a leader. Guys follow only, him. That's the, that's the only thing they say. Nobody ever says he's a baller. He throws it. It's always, man, we believe in him. And you know what? I understand that part, Tim. I understand it. Yeah. Um, He looks like talk, the guy you want to have a beer with. He looks like yeah. the guy you want to have a beer with. He looks like the guy that I, I would be cool with. Like, that's not what wins football games, and I'll pass it to Brian. I mean, the the question that I threw out in the chat earlier when we talked about discussion topics was, how far does leadership and intangibles get you? And I think that's really where we're at, right? When you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, it's like, if you're going to be the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allen, if you're going to be these guys, right, these guys that the NFL looks to and goes, those are the guys that that I, I want a quarterback like that on my team. You've got to have some combination of both. I agree with you, Tim. There have been boatloads of quarterbacks. And I'm just uh, I'm just really excited that in 2022, we got a Ryan Leaf and Jamarcus Russell uh, shout out on a, on yeah, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, that's, you know, but you're right. There have been guys that have been incredibly talented and they did not have what it took upstairs or when it came to leadership and tangibles, whatever the case may be. And I respect Jimmy Garoppolo for the fact that his teammates respect him. I've, I've put that stuff out on Twitter about how important that is. I've had pushback with people. They're like, well, but what about his teammates in uh, what about his teammates in new England? And there have been a handful. Uh, one of them is a Bennett brother, Martellus that really kind of, you know, didn't have the the most kind things to say about Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in terms Brian, of his but toughness. Also, real quick, but Brian, both McCordy brothers had a chance to stop him. Sure, while he absolutely, was and they did not. And and they did not. Okay, keep and going. they did not. Yeah, and that's the other thing. So it's like, so who do you believe? And to a certain extent, you know, I, I think the pushback there is 
there's a difference between being Tom Brady's backup and being QB one in San Francisco in terms of your cachet for your leadership and, and who's going to listen to you and who's not, and who's going to have your back and who's not. Do you need to have the back of QB two? Probably not. Do you need to have the back of QB one? Absolutely. And so I, I think Tim's right. I think this is what we've got, but at the same time, like someone like Emmanuel Sanders, I don't think he's vying for, a return to the 49ers organization. Whereas like Adrian Colbert, obviously he is. So he's not going to necessarily say anything derogatory about the guy just in case, Hey, I might find my way back in that building and he could be there. But ultimately, again, the question still stands and, and I will, I will defer to the guy that's played the position before. How far can leadership and intangibles get you if the tools aren't really there? Well, you're referring to Pasquini, right? Because yeah, he he had oh, the pro day. So I was confused. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. There's one guy here that's had a pro day. Yes. One yes. guy. The only one. And it's not. It's not me. And it, it definitely wasn't me. Just calling my friends saying, "Hey, let's throw a football together and just record it." It was definitely a. It was an NFL and ordained uh, a pro day that that so, got no calls back. But no, I'm I'm interested to hear what Tim says actually, honestly about that. Well, okay. Well, side note, like you guys are talking about this, it's funny because uh, hey, do you guys follow that that Twitter account, random college athletes? Um, I don't know if you've no. ever heard it or you've seen it, but they post random pictures of college athletes throughout you know their careers. So I got a DM from one of them, and they're like, "Hey, throw us down a picture or or stats of when you played." Apparently, and I was like digging through some old stuff, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to find a way to digitize that, you know, and put that on uh, on Twitter and see see what look at that one six on there. Look at that Golly. one six. I love short, it. Short short lived career, but so Jimmy, I, like, I would be very interested to see what Jimmy Garoppolo, like, what people say about Jimmy Garoppolo when the camera and 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 the mic's not on. And I know the fact that I've talked to some people that have had conversations with people that have played with Jimmy. And the conversations in front of the camera or on the mic don't match what happens when those conversations are just are just happening between two people. So bottom line, we've been saying it on our podcast for a long time. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's kind of a dumb jock. He doesn't have that that ability to process the Shanahan offense at a high level. Now, is he able to rally guys? Is he able to to get guys behind him? Yeah, obviously. Look, let's just be real. Like football is an emotional game. And the majority of the players, the majority of the guys in the locker room, they don't have to go out and they don't have to lead other men. They're they are there because of intensity, talent, and they follow what people say. Now, that's that's a broad generalization. And obviously, you can't you could pick and choose anyone to be a leader. But what I'm saying is if Jimmy Garoppolo possesses the ability to rally people. Like there are just some people who can speak nonsense and, and let's just talk, let's just talk about communication in general. Like the majority of communication is done via body language and tone of voice. And like less than 10% is done with actual words. If you want to get into the science of it. So if the dude looks like he knows what he's talking about, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He could be speaking absolute nonsense, but guys that are just in it for the emotion are going to follow him now. Yeah. Does that go a ways? Absolutely, Brian. Being a leader and having people follow you, yeah, run run through a wall for me. But do you really have to run through that wall? And that's the that's the piece with Jimmy Garoppolo's. I don't think that you have to do the things he's saying to be elite or to be successful. I think there are other ways to get it done. He's just able to rally the troops. 
All right. Yeah. That, that, and that's a very Damn. thorough explanation that I don't think anybody right. not named Tim Sprinkles could have given. And I, 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 I Jason, I, I, I'm struggling following up on that. You, you got anything? Cause like, I just oh. think he, he did the segment himself. I love it. No, I, I, I do have things to follow up with that. And, and I think there is a human element to playing football and following a quarterback. That is something yeah. that you can't quantify with stats or film. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. My problem is, why isn't any of these people who go ahead to bat for Jimmy Garoppolo saying he makes this throw on the field? He makes this throw on the field. Like, like, look, look, man, look. I can be cool with you. We can go have a beer after the game. I could follow you into the trenches. And maybe in the back of my mind, I know this ain't enough to get it done. Right? And lose. Right? Like, no one asked Emmanuel Sanders did he overthrow you in the Super Bowl? Did he, did he, did, is he like not putting you in a good spot? Like, that's the thing. It's like, okay, there's a human element to football. There is. And there's a human element to, and there's something that you can't quantify with stats when it comes to quarterbacks, right? There's plenty of quarterbacks who don't have the physical tools or the physical skills that end up winning a bunch of games and they, and, and they galvanize the troops and things like that. Cool. You still want to bowl, okay? I don't want to hear about how many regular season wins you have. I don't want to hear about how many how how you'll follow him into the midst of Valhalla. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear any of that at this point. What Emmanuel Sanders is telling you is his experience with Jimmy Garoppolo in one year in 2019, which echoes the sentiment of many players who have played with him. That's fine. All of them know. In the back of their mind, whether they want to speak it or they want to keep it in the back of their mind, you need more. That's it. And, and there's nothing wrong with what Emmanuel Sanders said. Everything that Emmanuel Sanders said is true and he believes it. And many people believe that. You need more. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, I, I, I really don't get why this is always everyone. Oh man, I I would follow him and I would lead him. Cool, great. Why didn't you win the bowl in 2019? What happened? It wasn't the yeah. defense. And and that's a part, right? Like it's just like okay, dude. And this is what part puts me in the spot of I'm tired of talking about this dude because when you bring up this dude, you bring up his leadership. You don't bring up the throws he makes. You don't bring up his clutchness. And I don't want to hear any of that. I don't care anymore at this point. No one cares. And you know what else? 31 other teams don't care. Why isn't that so valuable to someone else? Why is it that the leadership is so good for the 49ers? Love them, right? So good for the 49ers. Yeah. No one else cares. No one else cares. No one else said, I'm moving off my guy. Carolina's saying we'd stick with Sam Darnold, who is the least efficient quarterback in the last three years. Then go with the winner. Will you stop it? Will all of you guys stop this already? This this perpetuating of this, this look, 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 Andrew. This perpetuating of this narrative is annoying. Cause you know what? Leadership don't lead like like his leadership and his like oh, I'll follow you doesn't lead you to Super Bowls. Yeah, and I, I don't listen, I don't disagree with you. And I think I think you're making your point within itself. 
they don't mention the physical ability because what is there to talk about, you know, and, 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 and that's not meant to be a knock. It's, it's, you know, everything that that's been my issue with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, even entering this season and, and in this free agency. And it's something I've said multiple, multiple times is you would rather take a chance on a Jameis. You'd rather take a chance on, on Trubisky. You'd rather take a chance on these guys because you you don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of them. It can be very good. You know, Jameis has shown it. Uh, Trubisky, not so much, but from what we hear out of Bill's camp, you know, it could be there. Mariota, you know, you might be able to see a little bit more in Atlanta now. Um, you 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 know what you're getting out of Jimmy Garoppolo. You're getting an okay to good quarterback. Uh, you know, okay to good is probably too tight of a scale. It's, it's a below average to an above average quarterback any given Sunday. Uh, for the price he's getting, probably not worth it, but – what is there to say physically with Jimmy Garoppolo at this point that 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 anybody can offer new and groundbreaking stuff? So so when the, these these former players are coming in and saying, "Hey, he's a locker room guy," might be all they have, right? Is is that mean to say? Andrew, 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 this man. Where did where did Emmanuel Sanders play football last year? Buffalo, I believe. No, yeah, no, New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. I'm no, done. no, I'm no, done. no, Buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got that backwards. Yes, he did. Why you ain't talking about Josh Allen like he's the man? What are you talking about, dog? I don't care about what Jimmy Garoppolo did in 2019. You literally play with Josh Allen, who is I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, like you know, go hyperbole. Miles, Miles, than Jimmy Garoppolo, you know. miles better yeah. than this man. And you didn't say, yo, they asked him about Jimmy Garoppolo, and he said all this or whatever, and and he could have said, I played with Josh Allen. That man has a rocket arm. He did what he did last year. No, but hey, Jimmy Garoppolo leaves the locker room. Cute. I, I think I, I honestly, guys. I honestly think, I honestly think that part of it is there is one thing. I think there is one thing that you could say that that Garoppolo is either above average to great or even elite at, and that is his quick release, which is impressive. His his release is impressive. That is not a fun or impressive thing to talk about. No one wants to get on a microphone and talk about how quick Jimmy Garoppolo's releases. It's much sexier to talk about his leadership and his intangibles <laughs> than it is because. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm sorry, Brian. That's very I'm loud. Sorry, this is, That's good. Hey, live you're right. You're right. Josh show. has not been to a Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo and, has been and to three. And JC Montana, I would trade Jimmy Garoppolo, his mom, his dad, his entire family to get one season of what Josh Allen just did. How dare you even try to pull up and, and make that a case? I'm sorry, Brian. Keep going, so, man. Oh, my God. Uh, so let me, let me just ask that question, right? And, and I don't know if that was just to get Jason heated or if this gentleman legitimately believes that. But it please worked. don't tell me that you can look at the performance that Josh Allen had in the playoffs this season and the performance that Jimmy Garoppolo had in the playoffs this season and say Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Josh Allen because Jimmy Garoppolo led his team to the NFC Championship game and Josh Allen didn't. Josh Allen is a significantly better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. He got drafted by a team in Buffalo that was god-awful. And now they are perpetual Super Bowl contenders because they have Josh Allen. Yeah. The 49ers are perpetual Super Bowl favorites because they have Kyle Shanahan. It has nothing to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. <sighs> All right, look, and let me tell you this real quick. 
Josh Allen never made a Super Bowl. That's fact. Josh Allen played the game of his life in the AFC Championship, and that was a better game than Jimmy Garoppolo's ever played in his entire life. Can you guys stop? Please, man. I want this guy off my team so bad, so we have to stop discussing him because it's nonsense. Did Jimmy did was Josh Allen on defense on 32 seconds left after he Jesus. scored the game winning touchdown? Squib kick it. Just give Jesus. me a squib kick and you burn up the time and you don't. God, yo, you Mahomes. can't be this crazy. You cannot right, be this crazy right now. Here's the deal. There, there's been this this understanding of the game of football for a long time that the quarterback position has to be a leader. That's understood. But the game has evolved to the point where I think now you can have an just less of the leadership qualities at the quarterback position because the game plan, the, the scheme, everything that, that, that the, that the NFL is evolving into is, a, is relying less on the fact that you need a leader and the more that you need somebody who is an athlete and a playmaker at that position. Now we've spent 24 minutes, 25 minutes talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. That's 25 minutes too much in my opinion. Yes. Like I'm ready. I'm done. Let like I'm let's move on. Trey Lance, the, the era has begun. Cut Jimmy. I'm fine with that. Let's just move. He on. went ghost. So Daniel Garcia says that um Josh Allen is not the best quarterback in the NFL. He's great, but stop. Y'all forget when he went ghost for a big part of the season when they were losing some games. Your quarterback went ghost in the NFL playoffs. Can you stop? Please, can you stop? Also, I don't, think, it, I don't think any one of us – I don't think any one of us said he was the best quarterback in the NFL. No. We did not say that. And top five. If he but is, he's 100% top five. Talent-wise, talent I would say Josh Allen 10 out of 10 times Monday through Friday, 85 times on Sunday over Jimmy Garoppolo. What on earth are you guys talking about? Oh. Oh, I this, love this, our fans. You, I, I here's, love this our fans. is my favorite type of J. This here's is my the favorite most, J right no, here. I love our fans, but y'all are, y'all are tripping. Y'all are I, tripping right now. What are you talking about? I agree with Jason. I cannot wait for Jimmy Garoppolo to not be on the 49ers anymore. But for me, it's all about because that's going to be where the rubber meets the road. There are two camps right now. There is the Jimmy stands, and there are the people that see Jimmy Garoppolo for who he is as a quarterback. Is he the one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL? 100%. Yes, he is. Does he deserve to have a starting spot in the NFL? 100%. Yes, he does. But the coach that has had him for five years now has decided that he needs to upgrade that position. Great. I understand that. When Jimmy Garoppolo makes it to another team, just like when Jared Goff went to the Lions, we will finally, finally be able to say, was it Jimmy Garoppolo or was it Kyle Shanahan? Because what we know now is it was Sean McVay. It was not Jared Goff. No, no, yeah, and yeah, I, I think I think the answer is pretty obvious at this point of of who Jimmy Garoppolo is, and and obviously who the who the mastermind is, and we'll get that obvious answer come twenty twenty or twenty twenty two, ideally. Um, and let me apologize to Daniel. I apologize, Daniel. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fine. Just buy him a Subway sandwich, and just, and we'll be fine. I got you. The that, spicy you know, Italiano. You know, that, 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 what, is, that, that, is that what that, Jimmy Garoppolo's? Yeah, train there. Italiano. Uh, we'll go. We'll, we'll go from a, a little bit of a heated conversation, ideally one that a lot of Niner fans can agree with. Uh, Frank Gore, he uh, announced, I believe it was late Saturday, early Sunday, that he is planning to sign a one-day uh, contract with the San Francisco 49ers. At some point, no date was given uh, to announce his retirement. 
So I guess it's finally time to have the conversation here. Uh, is Frank Gore a Hall of Famer? Uh, we got three nine. We have four Niner fans. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe there's a there's a mass agreeance here. Brian, we'll reverse order. We'll start with you first. Kind of get your thoughts on Gore's career as a whole and and whether or not he's uh, the Hall of Fame. Um, I I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer just because I think people are going to. Uh, find some warts with his game, but I absolutely believe that he's a Hall of Famer. There are two people in NFL history that have more rushing yards than Frank Gore. There's two of them, and it's Emmett Smith and Walter Payton. So the fact that there are only those two that he is behind tells me all I need to know about Frank Gore. Is that a longevity stat for him? Sure. But also, you have to look at the position that he played and the sport that he plays and say longevity at that position is just as impressive as the stats that he put up. Was he ever an MVP candidate? No. Was he ever in the in the top five running backs in the NFL in a given season? Probably not. But what was he? He was consistent. He was a team first guy. And 100%. He is, he is a Hall of Famer. Someone said 100% yes, not first ballot. I, that's where I kind of fall. Uh, but he will 100% be wearing that gold jacket at some point. Tim? I, oh my God. It's hard to argue with the fact that the man has 16,000 rushing yards. And sure, we can. you can say, oh, he, you know, he never had a breakout season where he was incredibly close to 2,000. I think the... You know, I think his highest total was 1695 in his second year. Uh, and he broke a thousand yards like right around 10 times. Uh, but bottom line is this if you tell me that Frank Gore is not a Hall of Famer, it's a fight on sight. I will literally fight anybody that tells me that, including including Jordan, who I saw post on Twitter today. And he he took the side, or what was it Vish? I think Vish and Jordan. Taking Vish, the side no, of Vish, the fact. No, no, not Jordan. Not Jordan. Not, not Jordan. It's Vish. Yeah, okay. Vish. It's Vish? Vish. Well, yeah. I mean, I get it. It That's beating up a minor, but I, I don't know if I'm okay with that. Um, no, he's 21 now. You got, you got it. Whip his ass. Oh, okay. his ass. Whip cool. his ass. Own but, him. Own him. There is, there is no doubt. And there's never been any time where the consideration for a Hall of Famer is, well, this person was considered for all pro in this season, or he was an MVP candidate. No, you take a look at what the player has done over the course of his career, and you will not find a more durable running back than Frank Gore. You probably won't find... Uh, I'm, I'm struggling in my mind to think of a player that had the type of career that Frank Gore did from start to finish. Now, you, you tell me, find me a running back that had even close or around the same type of career. And I promise you, he's in the Hall of Fame. There's no question. Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. This is a short conversation in my book. All right. I think the conversation for the people who want to argue against it, let me just get right out with it. Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. Done and done. And I think when you start to look at who has more rushing yards, there's only two. And I think that kind of concludes that. But I think the argument against him has to do with two things. One, that Frank Gore came up during the time where the best running backs in football history played with him. Let me explain. LaDainian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles was downright dominant while he was there. 
And there's no ebbs and flows in Frank Gore's career. You know what it is? Across the board, the same. Consistent. 12 straight years of 1,200 yards rushing, right? It's You guys are all baseball guys. Let me break it down to this. There's people that have more home runs than and stats than Ken Griffey Jr. Are they better than Ken Griffey Jr.? Or does Ken Griffey Jr. like deserve to be a Hall of Famer and you have to wait a little bit longer even though you have better stats than Frank Gore? Frank Gore is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. No, but he's a Hall of Famer. And I think that when you start to look at the numbers and the longevity, the things that people try to use against him in terms of longevity is wrong. That's what you used to prop up Frank, right? Now, the other thing is, I think the argument that people have against it is criteria. Let me explain. When you look at some of the people that are in, Curtis Martin doesn't deserve to be in. Jerome Bettis doesn't deserve to be in. But they're in. And if they're in, Frank's in. That's your problem. You need to either break down the entire criteria and realize who deserves to be what. But when you start to look at who's in, Frank's in. And I believe, regardless of who's in, Frank is in. Because for a position that we consider five years a good run, seven years is a great run, for him to have this many years makes him a Hall of Famer. And that's the part that I will put in front of it. Like, that's it. Like, if you have a problem with Frank getting in, then you better have a problem with Curtis Martin getting in, Jerome Bettis getting in, many players getting in. So if you're going to stand on that, stand on that. But if you're looking at the way the history of this Hall of Fame goes, he's in. And he's in without any of those guys. If Jerome Bettis and, and Curtis Martin weren't in, Frank Gore is still in. You know why? Longevity. In a position that is not built to be long. That's it, man. That is this. It. I don't know. Hold on, Jake. This is, uh, but it bothers me when people say that the only reason that Frank Gore has accumulated yards over the course of his career is longevity. That's a bunch of, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. I didn't know if I can cuss on this podcast or not. Anyways, yeah. it's ridiculous. In 2006, the dude had 2,180 all purpose yards. That's insane. 2,100, 1,500, 1,400, 1,500, 1,300, 1,300, 1,400. That is a Hall of Fame career. I don't care who you are. The fact that he did it over the course of a two decades, that's more impressive. more impressive. Thank you, Brian. For sure. Exactly. Uh, and we, we got some Frank Gore news coming across. Uh, he's going to make his professional boxing debut on May 14th. So that, that I got my money on Frank. Literally came across um, on the timeline. No, you don't. No, you don't. Unless he fights someone with Who's he fighting? Uh, unless the, he the, fights the Ron Williams. Uh, he didn't even beat Deron. Did he beat Deron Williams? Did he not? I don't know. Deron but, uh... Williams whipped his ass. I'm sorry. Like, like Frank, please, man. Look, I know you want to conquer other things in your life. Please, no one, no one needs you to be good at boxing. Please, I promise you, I don't <laughs> care whether you're good at boxing. Don't do it. Please, join the join the front office of the 49ers and call it a day. Uh, please, that's it. Go home. Like, please, look, please. The, the Frank, other thing. Please. The other thing is there are of of uh, the top 10 uh, in rushing yards in NFL history, nine of them are in the Hall of Fame. And the only one that is in is Frank Gore because he hasn't officially retired he's yet. So, again, 100 percent he's in. Yeah. And, and a name, here's the, a name, 
Uh, real quick, a name I want to add to Jason's not on running back list. Uh, Edron James is a Hall of Famer. Edron James is a Hall of Famer. Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. Tim, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Edron James' numbers are ridiculous in in comparison. Like he he yeah. he like he had like three straight years of like 1,400 every single year after that, and he got hurt one year, and the guy behind him, uh, he ran for a thousand yards. So like yeah. it's Edron James is in there in the same exact way, and again. Jim Brown was somebody who didn't play for that long. He's largely regarded as one of the top five backs of all time. I think that the discussion around running backs needs to do more about like just less than stats, but everything. High test, impact. Here's here's a question that I will pose to the panel. Let's let's switch it up. And and I'm gonna pose it and then I'll pass it to Andrew and we'll pass it all the way around. Roger Craig's not in. Oh my god. Roger Craig has a bigger impact on the running back position as you see it right now in 2020, whatever year it is, 2022. Yeah. And Frank Gore does. Now, do you want to talk about that? Andrew, pass it. Frank, sorry, you broke up on me. Frank Gore more deser- deserving than Roger Craig or less no, deserving? No, no. Oh, my bad. Roger Craig has had a bigger impact on the oh, physical position yeah. of running yeah. back. And he's yeah. not in. Okay. Is Frank Gore more deserving than Roger Craig with his stats? Yep, Andrew, that's it. Let's let's go. This is it. Is Frank Gore more deserving than Roger Craig to get in? Roger Craig has literally set the precedent Damn. of how NFL running backs are right now. Alvin Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey, any sort of uh, Kareem Hunt, anybody who catches the ball out of the backfield. You got to thank Roger Craig. Nobody has to thank Frank Gore about that. Go, Andrew Pasquini. I don't like it when you ask hard questions on relaxed. Oh, <laughs> you don't like that. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll go. Roger Craig is more deserving. I mean, what what yes. he, he what he is for the running back position, and and it's really the ultimate case of he did it too early. I mean, he he was the first one to do it at a time where the position wasn't really looked at like that, and now it's just kind of. One of the things you talk about with running backs nowadays is their ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, and that's because of, of Roger Craig. So, yeah, I, I think in terms of, of who's more deserving, it's it's got to be Roger Craig. I think both should absolutely be in, uh, but Roger Craig is, is 100% more, more well-deserving. And 1,000 and 1,000 in the time that Roger Craig did it is more oh, impressive yeah. than Christian McCaffrey doing that now. Brian, you're yeah. next. Yeah, um, uh, this uh... – the the Roger Craig argument is one that um, I'm kind of passionate about just because I think people have zero recollection of just how impre- most people, sorry, not all people, right? The, I don't, I, I don't include the four in this, in this, uh, in this episode right now, but the, <clears throat> so uh, I edit and write for 49ers web zone. Andrew sometimes writes for 49ers web zone as does Tim and Jay used to. Okay. There is an start. article. Yeah. yeah. There is an article uh, on the web zone uh, from uh, one of our writers, Mark Adams about the hall of fame case for Roger Craig. Do yourself a favor and go read that. The guy got quotes from Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, Eddie DeBartolo, like you, you think of Niner legends, young Montana got quotes from all of them, like direct quotes from them about Roger Craig and the impact that he had 
on that team and on football. And so who is more deserving? I think Roger Craig is more deserving simply because Frank Gore is deserving in his performance. Roger Craig is deserving in his simple existence as a player because he reinvented the, the uh, running back position. Uh, and, and it, and it was Roger Craig that allowed for the uh, evolution and dominance of the West coast offense more than any other player. Uh, and so, and, and, and I guarantee Bill Walsh would say the same thing. So absolutely. I think Roger Craig is more deserving, but I think they're both hall of famers and I think they're both incredible 49ers. Tim, you're up. All right. So let me ask, let me ask you this question. Who, so were you take into account the fact that, that Roger Craig had his thousand and thousand season, right? Which player in their best season had the most all-purpose yards? Is it Frank it Gore, Gore or is it Roger Craig? It was Gore, but. You're right. It was Gore by over a hundred yards. Gore had 2,180 yards and, but, and Roger Craig barely, you know, he barely got over 2,000. Tim, go ahead. Time. Like I, I, that was time. just a, now. Look, I'm not arguing with the fact. Okay, different time. Roger Craig was, he was the absolute definition of a dual threat running back, and there's no doubt that the game changed because of Roger Craig. And I'm not arguing against Roger Craig. He, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer, no questions asked. But for some reason, he's been left off the table. Now, Roger Craig had a relatively short career. He had about a nine-year career. Now, you take out the two seasons he had with Minnesota where, you know, one year he had like 400 and some change and the next year he had like 100 and change. You're looking at about a seven-year career for Roger Craig. He didn't accumulate half the yards that Frank Gore did. So, yes, I'm not taking anything away. And I've lost Jason because now he's checking his phone. I'm not taking anything away from Roger Craig and the impact he had on the game. But if I have to put the two up in comparison against one another, Frank Gore, in my opinion, gets the nod in terms of who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than Roger Craig. Hall of, like, yes, you're talking about like a Jose Canseco 40 and 40 season in baseball. It's never been done before. It's incredible. It's impressive. The thousand and thousand yard season. Absolutely. If you're looking at certain stats, if you're looking at individual performances in a year that's never been done, and that's the determining factor, which gets you into the Hall of Fame, great. Roger Craig gets it for that season. But if you look at what does the player do day in and day out, year after year, and what is the, what is the one ability that is most important for any position in the NFL, especially running back? Availability. Availability. And okay. that's Frank Gore. And, and that's Frank I just Gore. I, I I had one more stat to throw in again because because Tim was was advocating for Gore. One more stat that I found impressive for Frank is twelve straight seasons with over two hundred carries. Twelve and straight. Here's seasons. my impressive. Unbelievable. Here's my impressive stat. Here's my impressive stat for Frank Gore. Sixteen seasons, fifteen missed games. At the position that he played. That's incredible. That's but after all those ACLs. injuries in college as well, two right. ACLs, two ACLs and two shoulder injuries. And 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 I don't think you guys remember Miami. <laughs> he played with Clinton Portis, 
Willis McGahee. And there's another uh, running back that I'm I'm completely forgetting that was that was great as well too. So I think that again, those injuries allowed him to fall to the third round to the 49ers to to take him. Here's what I'll say about Roger Kirk, and this is what I'm talking about. Both of them deserve to be in. I don't think anybody's disputing any of that. What I'm talking about is the criteria for the Hall of Fame. Okay, for me. It's play on the field, impact, who you played against, who you played with, right, and the company that you kept. Roger Craig um, and Frank Gore just had the problem of being around some of the best running backs who have ever played the game. LaDainian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles was dominant. So it's hard for him to make an all-pro team when those guys are running for 1,700 and getting 300 and 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 again like this is this is just those guys have better stats my point about roger craig is your prototypical running back that is now that doesn't carry the ball in between the tackles that wants to get outside and catch passes that's none of that is possible without roger craig like you're blazing the trail and impact for him and 1,000 and 1,000 in the 80s ain't the same as when Christian McCaffrey does 1,000 and 1,000 in a pass-happy league, in a pass-happy league that is like geared towards offense. So both of them deserve to be in. But my point is about Roger Craig and, and Frank Gore is y'all are so caught up on Frank Gore making it, y'all still have lost sight of the fact that Frank Gore, uh, that, that Roger Craig right now is being left out. And that's the problem more than anything. You're focused on a guy who's definitely going to get in. He will definitely get in. The stats bear it out. He's not going to get in first ballot because of all those things I talked about. But the fact that Roger Craig is not in when he is the prototypical, like drop Roger Craig in 2020 right now. Would he be fine? Probably. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he would. He'd be incredible. That's my thing. He'd be Christian McCaffrey. Right. That's my thing. That's my thing. So all right, I, I, I have one. Get, I, I have one I more thing to kind. One more thing, Jason. Though, like you talked about, like like Frank Gore was was a victim of the running backs that he was going against in his sure. time. Now, sure. now, I do. I like to do things like this because I. I this is just a great thought experiment. Now, I want you to think about the quarterbacks that Roger Craig played with. Now I okay. want you to think about the quarterbacks that Frank Gore played with, and you can talk about the Sean Hills, same. the J.T. O'Sullivan's. Now I love J.T. O'Sullivan, but it, he didn't have the best career in the world for the 49ers, right? The the Alex Smith early on in his career, there was no threat whatsoever from a 49ers quarterback. So every single defense knew. You stop Frank Gore, you stop the 49ers offense, and the dude still was yep. able to reel off 1,000-yard season after 1,000-yard season in the worst era of 49ers quarterbacks in the history of the game. I so, and, and now, t- That's fair. I'm, that's absolutely okay. fair. All right, I appreciate that. Now, do you think Roger Craig put Roger Craig in Frank Gore's position? Let's flip it. How's Roger going to do? No, he wouldn't do as well. What I'm talking about is this. The, this whole West Coast offense that the 49ers basically invented, right, and, and put out there is now the norm of this league, right? Like, that's not 
That's not something that one or two teams run, right? Everybody throws the ball to their, their running back. And Roger Craig is the reason that you, there's so, like, Frank Gore, Frank Gore's a throwback to the guys who did more, right? Like, in, in terms of that way, right? Like, in, in terms of what Tim's talking about, like, you know, in between the tackles, tough pass blocking. And I think the pass blocking is the thing that nobody ever talks about with Frank, that they should be. Yeah. Roger Craig revolutionized the position in the same way. Like, you could say that somebody's better than Lawrence Taylor at linebacker. You could say that for sure, right? Like, physically, you could say that he's more gifted. Like, would you would you argue with somebody who said that Ray Lewis is better than Lawrence Taylor? No. But Lawrence Taylor revolutionized the position. And Roger Craig revolutionized the position to the current NFL way. And I think... I think that we're right now, we're splitting hairs, I think, Tim. We're splitting hairs at this point because you're right. Frank deserves to get in. So does Roger. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is you can't go this hard for Frank to make it because Frank's going to make it regardless, right? Like, he's just going to make it because of, like, you know, what you've done, the longevity, all those things. But what Roger Craig did was more impactful, in my opinion, because of the way that the NFL is geared now. And he did this in the 80s. Now, I'm 37, about to be 38. So the 80s don't feel that far away. But for the people that are now watching football that are younger, the 80s are wild far away, right? Like you might as well be talking about like the 70s and the 60s as far as some of these people are concerned. Roger Craig yeah. was already doing that at that point. And now that West Coast offense is all over the league now at this point, right? Like, and I guess that's my point. We are splitting hairs here at this point, though, Tim. We are. We are completely splitting hairs because you're absolutely right. Frank Gore's longevity, you can't dispute that. And you can't dispute what he's done. But the Roger Craig thing, man, is just like he has changed the game for people. Like, no one ever did that. Frank Gore, Jim Brown did that. Walter Payton did that. Many people have done that. They just haven't done it to the level that he has because he's been around longer. And you're right. The teams he played with were dog shit. Let's just be 100% clear. The the mid-2009ers were were not very good. They were not. They were not. But Roger Craig helped revolutionize the game because of the West Coast offense. And now the West Coast offense is largely prevalent in – across the league and i i guess look again both of them need to be getting so that's yeah and how and and again how are we going to dog someone for longevity so in five years are we going to start having arguments about how all the records that tom brady holds are only because he played until he was 65 years old no we're not going to make that argument we're not we're going to give brady the credit that he deserves so again just because frank played for a long time doesn't invalidate the stats that he got and then on top of that, again, that longevity is part of the Hall of Fame case. It shouldn't be something that is used to keep him out at all. Okay. I think we're good here. Uh, Andrew? I, I think we're all in agreement that that Roger Craig and Frank Gore are Hall of Famers. And I, th- I think I think Tim makes a very intriguing case on, on, on he does. Gore Tim, Tim, versus... I, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. That Yeah, that, was, that I, I did not expect a, a, a Frank Gore more worthy of a hall of fame bid than, than Roger Craig. I did not expect it, 
and Tim's got me thinking now. So, so that's that's what it is. Uh, official BNA music. Thank you for the donation. Favorite part of Frank's game is the hidden yards he get by his keeping his momentum going. He probably got four K with sixteen K yards from forward. I, I don't know if it's that <laughs> high, but I mean, yeah, that the Frank Gore knew knew how to fall forward. Um, we got we got one uh, more topic. That's a good point. I need I like let's just be real. That's a phenomenal point. The fact that when you coach a running back, if you can fall forward and you can gain an extra yard every time you get tackled, you're gaining plus one instead of getting stood straight up or falling backwards over the course of 16 seasons. I mean, all you have to do is take how many carries did he have? And that's going to give you potentially how many extra yards Frank Gore got from getting lower and falling forward every single time. That's a great point. Great point. Hold on. Hold on, Baymac. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, talk crazy to you. We crap on Emma Smith, yet we praise Frank. Emma Smith was behind the greatest offensive line in the history of football. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. 100%. Yeah, I, I don't remember anybody saying but, anything. Who craps on Emma Smith? <laughs> yeah, who said that? But, no, hold on. But if Tony Dorsett was still there, if Herschel Walker, if Herschel Walker was behind that line, still there. Oh, oh, come on, man. Emma Smith yeah. is a fine running back. One of the, the best. One, ever the played. one running back. On. The one running back that no, like here's the deal. Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson was the best running back I have ever seen in my entire life. That dude, unfortunately, because of the injury, his career was cut short. But there, no one holds a candle to what Bo Jackson was able to do. Not Emmett Smith, not I, – I love Walter Payton, sweetness. He was amazing. But bottom line, like when you talk about all this stuff, yes, you weigh in. Emmett Smith benefited from having the best offensive line over the course of his career. Absolutely. 100%. Bo Jackson, on the other hand, that dude, I've never seen an athlete like him ever. And Herschel Walker was real close. No, Jackson. this is a good point, though. This is a good point by Mac. I'm sorry. I, I I guess I misinterpreted it. So, like, I just want to make sure. I, I apologize. Um, If you switch Emin and Frank, I bet the numbers would still be similar. And I wasn't talking about you guys. I was talking about our fan base. He's right. He's absolutely right. If Frank Gore got to play behind that line, I think you would see similar numbers. I completely agree, Baymac, 100% with that. Well, and and I would say the thing that Emmett and Frank now have in common as well is the longevity. Because you look at you look at Emmett's numbers, and he had uh, thousand yard seasons through his uh, age thirty two season, and then at age thirty three had nine hundred seventy five, and at age thirty five he had nine hundred thirty seven, and those were over two hundred carries that season as well. So yeah, Emmett Smith a hundred percent is is deserving of the Hall of Fame, and if. Our fan, if people in our fan base are crapping on Emmett Smith, it's likely just because he's a cowboy. Because it's not, oh, yeah. it's not because he wasn't good. That's for damn sure. Well, there's, he went from there's he went just, from being a cowboy to a cardinal. That's true. Two hate fan bases. But there's just one thing that saddens me about the whole Frank Gore situation about him retiring right now is the fact that he is probably what one year, two years away from being the first father son duo in the nfl and his kid is god what college is he at in florida i want to say fau Frank right Gore, fau i yeah, was sorry. i was so god southern i was miss. so looking southern, southern miss southern miss i thought it was sorry i wasn't in florida reason. that's my apologies yeah but it would have just been 
one of the greatest things I've ever seen is having a father and son duo in the NFL. Because I think we're going to get it in the NBA with Braun and Bronny. I would have loved to have seen Frank Gore and Frank Gore Jr. as a father-son duo in the NFL. It's just, I don't, I mean, it's so incredibly hard. Think about like the duration of how long you have to play to do that. Oh, yeah. That would have been something so cool. It would have been yeah. awesome to see. And if anybody could have done it, it would have been Frank. Yeah, I mean, Frank Gore could probably go another year or two of just replacement level running back, and that's good enough to get Rumor, you in the league. So sources tell me right now, Andrew, um, Frank Gore just took a carry and he got four yards. Yeah, and he fell forward to get five. Actually, Jason, got to tack that on. Got to tack it on. So, um, man, we've been, we've been going, discussion. We've no, been going no, no, for hey. about an hour with two conversations. Yeah. Uh, do, do we do we want to go to our last topic or do we want to do put it. that in the hat? All right, we're we're gonna go to the last topic here. We're gonna talk a little current day San Francisco 49ers. Uh the offseason, depending who you ask, hasn't gone one way or another. Uh so <laughs> at this point, uh what, what do you think the biggest need is on this team uh that the Niners can either address via the draft or via uh free agency still? Uh Brian, we'll we'll start with you and uh we'll, we'll go around. Um, I will continue to, uh, bang the table for interior offensive line as the biggest hole on this team right now. Um, and it has everything to do with, uh, just a bunch of unknowns. Um, Brunskill is coming back. Uh, that's not my ideal right guard. Uh, but at the very least, you know, that you can play with him. And then the other hole, obviously at left guard, you know, honestly, it really does feel like this team looked ahead a year and said, we're not going to be able to afford Lake and Tomlinson, not necessarily because you still have Jimmy Garoppolo, but yeah. because you're not going to pay $13 million a year to a guard. Um, and so they, they drafted his replacement um, in order to have him redshirt a year, just like they did for the quarterback position. You can argue till you're blue in the face, whether that's good roster management or not. Um, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on that, but I do think that is what they did. Uh, so you've got, an unknown at left guard and you've got still kind of an unknown at right guard and also an unknown at right tackle, because we still haven't heard a whole lot about uh, McGlinchey and what his recovery looks like and where he is in that recovery. Cause that was a potentially career ending injury. Um, the tear of his quadriceps tendon, which just sounds incredibly painful. So um, O-line for me, uh, specifically interior O-line. I, um, I was trying to manifest JC Treader on the timeline for a handful of days straight. Um, I still think that is a move that would make a lot of sense for them. Uh, I don't necessarily see it happening. So then at that point, you're looking at the draft. Sam, what's, what's your biggest concern with the 49ers right now? Well, I, I mean, as a quarterback guy myself, like I do love the, the offensive line, but Brian took that one smart move, Brian. I love it. Um, I'm going to say we need to sure up uh, the other safety position opposite Jimmy Ward. Um, I, I do think, uh, I do think Tarverius Moore has a ton of potential, but coming off of an injury, like he's coming back from, it scares me to death. Uh, let's, let's not get it twisted. Like I, I do think the 49ers should re-sign Jaquaski Tart. I think that dude is, is the best option they possibly have. But unfortunately, I think the way they managed, uh, you know, Tart last season is pretty much. Uh, shown him that that they're not interested in bringing him back. I wish it was different. I love I love Jaquaski. I think he's 
I think he would be the best fit, honestly. Um, but I'm very worried about that safety opposite Jimmy Ward. I think they need to shore that up for sure. So we got we got offensive line. We have got uh, safety. Jason, where do you want to go? I mean, I guess we're doing a draft style because I was going to say offensive line. Tim didn't take offensive line. So I'll let you go now and I'll let, I'll just take the last pick. I mean, you guys took the two positions that are probably of need. You're absolutely right. Like right now, uh, the only definite is Trent Williams. Everything else is going to be, you hope Aaron Banks is good. You hope Alex Mack comes back. Is Daniel Brunskill coming back? Can Mike McGlinchey come back? And then you have to fill all those things. So I think Brian was spot on with that. Safety as well. I don't want to be the wet blanket. Joukowsky star is not coming back. He's just not, and they have to, and they have to fix this like right now, right? Like you, you cannot roll into your season with Tarverius Moore and Tarano Hufanga. I don't care. I will beat the table. I know you love the potential of Tarverius Moore. I just don't know what you've seen from him that will possibly tell you just run it out there and just have him as the guy and think that everything's going to be fine. It's possible that that works, but I'm not confident in that. And there are guys in this draft. There's a very few safeties that would be plug and play immediately i'm gonna go wide receiver okay the 49ers have three wide receivers under contract and one of them still not Jawan jennings because he still hasn't signed his tender which he'll be back he'll be back so that means you got four but right now you've got brandon Ayuk, debo samuel and ray ray mcleod what are you gonna do muhammad sanu is not walking through that door Trent Taylor is on the Bengals. What are you doing at this point? Calvin Austin, plenty of guys that you guys want to have later on. If you love Trent Taylor, Calvin Austin needs to be that guy because he's faster, stronger, can make bigger plays, can actually return the ball. Wide receiver. Wide receiver is going to be the one that I choose. The 49ers need a good rotation. Look, Debo Samuel did something last year that he's never done, that he's never done, and nobody's ever done in the league with his numbers right? 1,300, 300. Nobody's ever done that. But you know what else he did? He played 16 games Mm -hmm. out of the 17, right? He missed one. If he goes out, Brandon, are you a baller? I hear you. You lost it in 2020. Happened. You need more. Wide receiver. Calvin Austin, you're not going to get Christian Watson in 61. Calvin Austin, um, Damian Pierce, um, those type of guys. And there's guys that you can have in free agency, but you need to address that position now. You have your you have your running backs. You're clear that you want to run with Elijah and Trey and, and Jeff Wilson's back. And, you know, Kyle Juszczyk's one of those guys. And Jermichael Hasty's still there. I'm sure you'll probably add a depth guy and see what happens during camp. But wide receiver needs to be addressed, like, right now. And uh, you can't just run out there with those guys that you have now not knowing – what you're going to get in terms of longevity, injury, things like that. I think that Debo Samuel is the best offensive weapon in football, but he's only had one year of being fully healthy the entire time, and that was this past year. So you have to you have to double back on that right now. So um, biggest need right now is right tackle. Um, TB12Y says Mike McGlinchey is a big uh, question mark for sure, and that's why John Lynch didn't want to answer my question at the combine. Did not want to answer my question at the combine. I asked him, what are the updates on Mike McGlinchey? And if Mike McGlinchey's injury is a little bit more severe, does that alter your draft plans? He said some PR-driven thing. Mike McGlinchey's attacking his – his. 
I don't care what he's attacking. What is happening? Like, what is actually happening? I'm attacking throwing out the garbage in my house. I'm attacking the dishes in my house, and I'm putting them in the dishwasher. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> None of that means anything in terms of what you're going to be doing down the line. And you drafted him at number nine. This is his fifth year. If Mike McGlinch is not ready to go, I hate to say it, Tom Compton is not here anymore to save you. And that's crazy to think that we're even saying that because Tom Compton signed with Denver. Well, and that's what's weird about this offensive line and why I, I, I kind of honed in on interior offensive line because if you look at it, if they've got like a ton of dudes that play tackle. And they've got uh, two guys that actually play guard, and that's it. So I, I'm wondering if part of why they're not talking about McGlinchey is because they do have Jalen Moore. They do have Colt McKivitz. Justin School is coming back from injury. They have Trent Williams. You know what I mean? They're they're pretty tackle rich, and that's probably why they let Compton go as well. Um, I'm not saying that, the, that any of those dudes would be a, an acceptable replacement for for McGlinchey or that that would be, you know, an upgrade from McGlinchey for a year. I'm, I'm definitely not saying that, but they might feel like they're okay at tackle. Um, even if McGlinchey's recovery is, is going slower than they anticipated. Um, I'll go a little outside the box. Uh, just, just because Jason kind of touched on it a little bit. I'll go running back. Why not? Uh, the Niners only have Elijah Mitchell right now. That's the only guy we really trust. Uh, you know, they have Trey Sermon, who didn't really do much last year. You know, he had that injury against, I believe it was Green Bay. He got hurt against somebody. Um, no, was, oh, I forget. It was not important. Uh, they have Jermichael Hasty. Uh, they they brought Jeff Wilson back. Um, and, and maybe Jeff Wilson is the guy. Maybe Jeff Wilson stays healthy and, and he's 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 going to play a full 17. We don't know if we can see that. All I know is, and, and this is something Jason's been saying, I've been saying it too, is Elijah Mitchell can't be the only running back you have. Uh, you saw him have three separate stints missing games. He missed two games, week three and four, missed a game in a week 10, missed three games from weeks 13 to 15. And what concerns me the most is after he comes back from the injury after week 15, he goes for 119 yards, and that's fantastic. That's great. We love to see it against the Texans. 85 against the Rams. Hey, that's pretty good too. 96 in the playoffs against the Cowboys. That's fantastic. And then he goes 53 and 20. Um, I, and, and I don't want to say it's the wear and tear, but it might be the wear and tear. You can't – listen, guys, if, if, if this is another situation where Debo Samuel – Jason and I are yelling about how good of an offensive weapon Debo Samuel is again this year – Something went wrong with the Niners running game because Debo Samuel does not need to be taking that workload once again because I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think – that's not what you want to do with a guy you're trying to extend for five years uh, as everybody wants them to do. You want your receivers to play receiver. You want your running backs to play running backs, and that's just kind of what it is. Um, I, I'm, I, I don't want to say it, but I'll say it as of, as of April 4th, 2022 – I'm a little concerned about the running back position. I never thought I'd say that about Kyle Shanahan and the Kyle Shanahan offense, but I'm a little concerned, but we'll see. Who knows? Maybe they draft a guy in the fourth round and he turns out to be really good like like everybody else, you know. So we'll see what happens at running back. So so since 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 you know you guys took the safety and the receiver and then an offensive line, I'll, I'll take running back just for fun because I do think it's a position uh the Niners need to worry about a little bit at this time. Andrew, they could have addressed this if they would have just drafted Javante Williams and not let the Denver Broncos jump over them. But hey, hey you know, no one's mad. No one's mad. 
you know, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and and who knows? Maybe they 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 sign Raheem Mostert to a contract. Maybe we're not worried about it either. But hey, there's there's a lot of ways out of this. Oh wait, he's gone to Miami too. Yeah, oh, wait. Oh, weird, oh, weird how oh, that man. works. Uh, I see. I see. Bruneel saying Edge. Edge is another great one. Uh, I, I think Edge will be. I'm not too concerned about Edge personally. Just because Edge is of, what they draft him with their first pick. Probably. Yeah, that I was going to be my question. I was yeah. going to. I was going to ask. What, where do you think they go in the first round? Edge. 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 I mean, it's it's pretty consistent. D line is is Ben has been their bread and butter and, in the first round, like their first pick. So. And it's not necessarily a bad thing uh, because, I mean, as we said, we, we're big Chris Kosarek guys on this podcast. We're a Kosarek pod. And, and and for me, man, like I'm not too – I'm not rating Edge as high as a lot of people are. I see a lot of people saying they need a second edge rusher. They need Arden Key. How dare they let Arden Key go to the Jaguars? Oh, my God. I love Arden Key, but – he was a rotational guy for the Niners, right? He he got more snaps because of injuries, and and he, and he ended up being the guy. But what's to say the Niners don't have the 2022 version of Arden Key already? You know, they they have a lot a lot of depth at that position, and they rotate a lot. That somebody's likely to stick. So so Edge, that's why I'm not going to rank it too high up there, is because the Niners just have this knack, and, and it's probably because of Chris Kosarek. Um, of, of, of churning out good edge rushers and good defensive linemen just with, with the scheme and all that fun stuff. Yep. I just want to pull up this comment real quick from JC Montana. Shout out to you for being in here. Appreciate you, bro. And I'm not trying to talk down on you or anything like that, but your owner also said that Jimmy Garoppolo starting over Trey Lance is the same thing as Joe Montana and Steve Young. And that's literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard anyone ever say. And that includes your owner because Joe Montana is actually a winner. Jimmy Garoppolo's won nothing. Steve Young was uh, found off Tampa Bay. Trey Lance was traded up for, and there's this thing called the salary cap. So I really don't care what Jed York has to say about the quarterback position. He can actually just go into the booth and stop talking. Okay, there. We're done. Interesting. No feedback. Got one more rant in. Got one more rant in for them. I love it. Stop me when I like. Stop me when I like. Stop me when I like. This is the spiciest pod day we've had since. I don't want to end, though. I don't want to end on Jim. Like, let's not end on a Jimmy comment. Like, just tell me this. Like, I want I want to feel good something. Like, do we do we re-sign Verrett? Do we give him an opportunity? I know he's been hurt a ton. 100 percent And if Verrett's good to go, do you move Mosley into the slot? You do. And Does that address our need? That's the point. Okay, like, look, this is the thing. Everybody wants to yell about cornerback. You bring Jason Verrett back, you've already banked on him for two years. Let's just say he is 75 80% of what he was in 2020. You still start him outside with Charverius Ward and move Emmanuel mostly inside. That's why you don't – and again – now you have Embry Thomas in the back. You have Diamandola Nord. You can let them chill. Like, that's the point, right? Like, it's everybody worries about cornerback, but Jason Verrett still needs to come back. And I think the 49ers will take that chance on him based on what they have done and the way that Jason Verrett is talking about this, this team. He did. He he meant that absolutely in that context. He meant that absolutely in that context, JC Montana. And I'm gonna block you if you don't listen, bro. We're I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm we're tired gonna, of you. We're gonna we're I'm gonna bring it back. We're gonna bring it back to Jason. Hold up. I did want to say. I did want to. I wanted to touch on one thing. Uh, Jason talked about safety, and I do think, like, as much as the the news was that this guy was signed because he's a special teams ace, and I do believe that. Uh, I do think they may give George Odom an opportunity to to compete for that spot because. He did fill in uh, for the Colts. Uh, I believe it was something like 
six games possibly or something like that. And Colts fans were pretty upset to lose him. So I think that could be a name not a lot of people are thinking about that they might be thinking, hey, we're going to at least give this guy an opportunity to win this job. And the 49ers usually bet on their guys. So, like, look, I might not be confident in Tarverius more, but they might. And who cares what I have to say? If they're going to roll with him, then whatever. Like, you know, so if Tarverius more can show a little bit of that athleticism, the only thing that – it's not the athleticism that's the question. It's up here. He's just never in the right spot and uh, and those type of things. So, I mean, hey, look, Odom and Tarverius more, that sounds better than starting Hufanga. That's the best way I could put it. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be bad on Hufanga or anything like that, but Moore has the athletic skills to at least play up close to the line and then run back. And then Odom has the experience. Hufanga just cannot cover over the top. And that's just not something that will be improved on. You don't have the speed to do it. Yeah, and, and, and Hufanga, as, as I said, I, I think I, I would rather give Odom a look before Hufanga just because I, I don't think – Hufanga is a guy who's going to help over the top as much as, as they would like. And, and, and that's a big thing, Jason, I kind of preached with Ward and, and Tart is, is their ability to prevent the big plays. And I, I don't think Hufanga is going to give you that. So safety is definitely going to be an interesting one. Good call out to him. Uh, do we got any final, final thoughts? We've been here for an hour 15. We can wrap it up. We can give some baseball thoughts. We can give some WrestleMania thoughts. I watched all seven hours over the weekend. It was wonderfully fun it was enjoyable uh vince mcmahon is old stone cold is old but they still they still go they still go and that's all that matters in my heart yeah um wrestlemania man um shout out to stone cold shout out to pat mcafee pat mcafee shout out to that shout out to that young man who sold the stunner better than i've ever seen awesome theory yeah, that, that's his name, right? Yeah, I I, I don't watch wrestling. That's but uh, shout out to them. And uh, yeah, Vince McMahon, you know, today, what I did this morning was, you know, I saw Vince McMahon was like trending. And I looked up Vince McMahon, your fire compilation. And I sat and I laughed for like the entire time that I watched it. Oh, Andrew's gone. Um, I laughed the entire time because it was hilarious. Like Vince McMahon yelling, you're fired in different tones and like you know over the top is uh it's the bee's knees like and i don't even really like rocks. oh yeah it was like real, real bad yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah you're fire. and i'm just like wow man like also shout out to you- i'll say shout out to george kittle there you go for uh for getting that uh group Talk shot about it, with, Brian. Uh, with stone cold that was dope yeah uh kittle was at wrestlemania and uh also shout out to george kittle for owning some dudes on twitter today as well uh he was on one and i appreciated it i I was i was very (laughs) surprised i was very surprised i didn't show george kittle on the screen during wrestlemania in dallas that that would have been fun but you know they they didn't have that fun uh but yeah wrestlemania i my my browser randomly crashed so i missed of course, when we're talking wrestling on the pod, I'm not here, so <laughs> that's cool. Uh, but no, WrestleMania was fun. Logan Paul stole the show. How about that? <laughs> that's a sentence I didn't. That Pokemon card, the Pokemon card, and him hitting the the three amigos and the frog splash on Rey Mysterio. Fantastic! It was Chef's kiss. So there, there there's your wrestling. Uh, is that it? Is that all we got now? I'm in the bottom. No, right and now. um, 
what we want to say is our 15 thank you everybody for joining here yeah it, it gets passionate it's never personal or anything like that make sure you like this video subscribe to the channel join the spicy squad so we can do a call-in show this week as well too but what realistically what i want to talk about is i'm going to point this way brian tim uh or uh, uh i can't we've been it. doing I, yeah. we've been doing this for a year and a half and i haven't got yeah. the point he figured out yet yeah at all but um brian and tim of the denim dungeon podcast i listen better than a good podcast that you guys can listen to better humans and that's the thing that i i love about them so much um i love hanging out with these guys they know their stuff they are very knowledgeable make sure you guys subscribe to them and everything um brian tim let these guys know where they can find your content yeah, so uh, we are the Denim Dungeon Podcast. Uh, if you just search Denim Dungeon uh, in uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, we are on there. And uh, yeah, my uh, Twitter handle's there, at brenick 77 uh, Tim, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Obviously, my at is at Tim Sprinkles. Um, we appreciate all you guys listening and uh, being a part of it. Honestly, like I'm not, I, I'm not into Twitter for the uh for the back and forth and for getting into it with people but if people do have questions obviously i did play the position of quarterback uh into college i was uh, my career didn't go past that point because i got hurt i've coached with you know I've, I've done high school coaching and i did camps with steve deberg i mean you know i'm i'm fairly knowledgeable in regards to the game if you want help if you want content if you want to understand anything hit me up dm me no big deal uh, I'm happy to to help anybody out if you have any questions. Um, you know, I'm about giving back and that. So th that's what I'm about. And talking with you guys, I appreciate you guys for for letting us come on board because you know you you threw us a compliment saying we're good good human beings. I I don't know if if there are two better people uh, that I've come across in this game than than Jason and Andrew. You guys are a rare breed. And uh, we definitely appreciate you very much. Stop crying, Jason. It's okay. No, that means a lot. Oh, that means a we, lot. We, we appreciate you too, Tim. And uh, by the way, for 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 uh, I can vouch for Tim because uh, he's a very good quarterback coach. He 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 takes the time to explain things, and uh, he's somebody who's easily 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 approachable. I can say words. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming on. You guys are always always invited. Uh, so if you ever just want to come on, come ask, and we'll we'll, we'll let you we'll let you on. Uh, Jason Aponte. Awesome. Jason, hey, we appreciate it every time, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, Jason Aponte, as always. Let's go Niners, and the draft is soon, guys. Focus your – your stop talking about the quarterback and just focus on the draft. At this yeah, and chat, nobody cares about Cody Rhodes. Stop saying Cody Rhodes. <laughs>